Now, getting to God's word, I want to remind you that we concluded last week our sermon series. So I'm starting a four-week sermon series entitled, Timing is Everything. Come on, how many of you know timing is everything? It's not just what you say or what you do. It's not just how you do it or how you say it. It's also a matter of when. Do you know you could say something to your loved one and it'd be something hard for them to receive, but if you pick the right timing, they'll receive it just fine. But what if you pick a stressed out moment right before they're throwing a big party? For the staff, it's not good. I learned the hard way. That timing is everything. Do you know that God has a timing for everything? In the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there is a time for everything. They even wrote a song about it. Right? In everything, there is a time. Right? And, and maybe I'll play that some, some Sunday this, before this sermon series is over. But I want to let you know that God has a timing for everything. And even though his timing may not, might, might not match up with our timing, he's always on time. He's never late. He's never late. Although sometimes we think he's late and we freak out, but he's always on time. And it's interesting because as you read God's word, you start to, you start to get the sense, Lord, this is not an accident. This is perfect, precise. I mean, I mean, just it is incredible the design and the plan and the meticulous nature in which you operate. God, you're a God of order. Why does God do that? Because he wants you to get the sense that you can count on him. Why? Because he asks you to trust him and he wants you to know I'm trustworthy. I don't just show up whenever I uh, uh, get good and ready. No, I have a time for everything and you can trust my timing. So if I put it in my word, then guess what? You can bank on it. It's going to happen. Because my word... I never speak what my hand doesn't fulfill. That's what God says in his word. If he speaks it, his hand fulfills it. And you get the sense as you read through Jesus' story that it didn't just happen. It was prescribed. It was ordained. You read the genealogy of Jesus and it's broken up perfect into 14s and 7s. And it didn't just happen. No, It was perfectly ordained, even the genealogy of Christ. Even the fact that on one hand, Mary fulfills the bloodline requirement and Joseph, while he's not his biological uh, father, fulfills the, what, heritage right requirement. Because the right to the kingdom or the right to the throne would come through the father, but the bloodline came through Mary. And God said, nothing is by accident. It's by my divine timing. We know that Jesus fulfills over 400 prophecies. That's not by accident. It's divine Timing. Do you realize in the fullness of time he came and he's coming back? He's coming back. 
And God has this way of, of saying, you can trust my timing. And, and, and so what he's trying to get us to understand is that you don't have to freak out. You don't have to go, oh, no, Lord, what's happening? You've left me. You've forgotten me. Oh, God, what is taking place? He says, no, 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 I've got you. If I've orchestrated all of human history, I've got you too. I've got you. You can trust me. And so this is interesting because God, in his perfect timing, sent Jesus. And every year he has this this rhythm of life. We talked about the rhythm of life from week to week. Well, guess what? From year to year, he reminds us that I loved you so much. I sent my son into the world for a very specific purpose, to set you free. To set you free. And I want you to think about this with me for a second. The enemy wants to do everything he can to help you forget how much Jesus meant to you and means to you. And how much God loves you. And so I want to ask you a question here today. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. I'm going to ask you and even, okay. If you're not parents, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have parents? (laughs) There you go. All right, have or had parents. So we all are familiar with this idea of parenting. Now, can you imagine parenting the perfect kid? Can you imagine parenting the perfect kid? Yeah, as my daughter goes, yes. Um, Can I tell you, I have a perfect kid. They, They were excellent. They were easy to parent. And I won't tell you which one. I'll just tell you, yes, that one. So earlier, Honey thought it was him. Evie thought it was him. And now Raquel thinks it's her. I mean, Evie thought it was her. Honey thought it was him. And Raquel thinks it's her. And yes, it's one of them. (laughs) I love that. But can you imagine parenting the perfect kid? What would you do if Jesus was your son? How would you feel? I mean, imagine the pressure of it, right? In the fullness of God's time. God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't just roll the dice and say, you're the guys. No, he, he hand-selected of all of human history these two parents to raise the king of glory. Can you imagine that? Now imagine losing him. And, and before you... Get so self-righteous and say, I would never lose the king of glory. Have you ever lost a kid? It happened to us. And, and listen to this. We even knew it was going to happen more than likely. And we tried to prevent it and it still happened. This is how it took place. Uh, I had a, a, a friend of mine who happened to be an elder at the church at the time. He's very, very responsible. I, I say that. He was. He was, a, he was an I mean, he was a very capable businessman. He retired early. He had, uh, he had, uh, uh, you know, had, I mean, he was just very capable. I, I don't want to go into and, and spend too much time talking about that, but I want you to imagine a guy who had led at the highest level. He was a CFO overseas. He uh, had retired early. He had adopted two kids altogether. That was four kids. They were all my kids' age. And uh, he says to me, Pastor, I want to take your kids with my kids to Fiesta, Texas. And I said, Greg, do you realize it's um, La Semana? La Semana in San Antonio. I'm from this say. I'm from San Antonio. How many of you are from San Antonio? Anyone? No? Okay. 
so La Semana is not probably the week you want to go and take a group of kids, one parent. Right? And I thought, you're going to get them lost. You're going to lose one. And I don't want it to be my kid. Right? So I said, I'll go with you because the chances of us losing a kid are, are less if I'm with you. So he said, come on. And I took my wife and we all went and we had, we had eyes on our kids until all of a sudden, in one distraction, the kid is gone. One of our kids is gone and it's like, okay, quick, fan out. Let's find this kid. Then we start losing other kids. We're like, oh, this isn't working. Keep, keep track of the kids we already have and let's find the kid that wandered off. And boy, when we find them. Anyone ever feel that way? Man, when I, when I find you, kid. You know, and so then it takes hours to find this kid. We're freaking out. We're thinking the worst. Now imagine losing Jesus. And you don't know for days where he's at. And this is where the Bible opens up and talks to us about this story. The Gospel of Luke says his parents, in chapter 2, verse 41, went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. So I've highlighted a couple of things. I want you to, I want you to just to always make note of those details. Because those details teach us something. So watch. Every year... At the feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, okay, he's young, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, come on, how do you think she said this? I know how a Latin mama would have said it. You know, Latin mamas can be so sweet when they want to be. Ay, mijo, ay, chiquito, mijo, mi precioso. But then they can also be, ay, what a kill him. That means you little rascal, get over here. Can you imagine what she said to him? We don't know exactly all that she said, but we know some of what she said. This is what the Bible chooses to give us. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father, that's so, that that is just so typical. When my kids get in trouble, your father is worried sick. Look what you're doing to him. Your father and I have sought you anxiously. So my title today is Don't Get Lost This Christmas. 
Because it's interesting, as you read the story, at first you think Jesus is lost, and then you realize it's not Jesus that's lost at all. It's the parents that are lost. So you might say, don't lose Jesus this Christmas, or you could say, don't get lost yourself this Christmas. That's the title of my message. I've got three simple little points. The first one is, is it possible to lose Jesus? Now, theologically, I'm not asking this question. I'm just talking about the story. You know, is it possible to lose Jesus? And in our way of thinking, just in understanding ourselves, yes, it's possible to lose Jesus. Or better yet, I should say, it's possible to lose sight of Jesus. Now, some of you might be thinking, does this mean I can lose my relationship? I want to talk to you about relationship. Relationship is not just knowing. It's also what? Fellowship. So it's not just about knowing him here. It's about feeling him here. Amen? And so this is what I want us to know. It is possible to lose our fellowship with Christ, our pursuit of Christ, but not necessarily our position with Christ. What do I mean by that? Our position is that we're, re- we're related now, right? Because we are what? Sons of the Most High God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And just like Mary didn't cease to be his mama and Joseph didn't cease to be his daddy, but they did lose him. Did they not? Now I want you to know, not only is it possible to lose him, well, wait a minute. Some of us are saying, I can see it in your eyes. Pastor, wait. You cannot just say, uh, it's possible for me to lose Christ. Now I'm going to go around feeling insecure. Can I tell you? Uh, let's just deal with this eternal insecurity that some of us have. It's supposed to be eternal security. Because the truth of the matter is that once you have Christ and Christ has you, there's no changing that. It's irrevocable. What do I mean by it being irrevocable? Well, the Bible says this. He says, and I give them eternal life. John 10, 28. Now, let me ask you this. What else happens in John 10? Come on, I quote this verse all the time. John 10, 10. What does it say? The thief comes what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might live it how? To the fullest, abundantly, above and beyond what you could have imagined, dreamed, or hoped for. God wants to give you security because if you're insecure, you don't live abundantly. You don't live in the fullest way possible. You live under fear and condemnation. But God says, my love drives out that fear. It drives it out. I nailed it to the cross. I give you confidence confidence listen to what he says he says that if i give you eternal life and they shall not perish this is contractual language jesus is speaking here contractual language at the end when you stand before the judge it shall be done what shall be done you shall not perish you shall have eternal life right neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand That means the devil can't take you out of his head. No one can change it. But that does mean you can falter in your fellowship. What does that mean? That means your position is secure. But you're not walking with him and you're not feeling the joy and peace that comes with a real 
fellowship. Fellowship. I want you to think about this with me for a second. Because the Bible says that you are hidden. Hidden with Christ in God. In Colossians, the Bible says that your life is hidden. You're under double lock and key. So your position is is secure. Your position is secure. But we need to examine Examine our hearts. Over and over, the Bible keeps telling us, yes, your position might be secure, but are you walking with God? The Bible says things like this in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Know where you're walking. Know who's walking with you. Know that you know where Jesus is because when you least expect it, You can lose him. And I want you to consider a couple more things. How did they lose Jesus? That's point number two. How did they lose Jesus? Did they lose him in a beer joint? Did they lose him in the middle of Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street? Did they lose him at Cowboy Stadium? I'm sorry, Cowboys. Did they lose him? Where did they lose him? They lost him in Jerusalem in the festival. What kind of festival? A religious festival. What festival to be specific? Passover. Now who is Passover all about? Jesus. They lost him at his own celebration. So what are you saying to me, pastor? Is it possible to lose Jesus at Christmas? Come on. I'm trying to help you if you let me. I'm trying to help you if you let me. Sometimes Jesus isn't even welcomed at his own birthday party. Why? Because we make it about the lights and we make it about the presents and we make it about the decorations and we make it about the family and we make it about Uncle Uh, Uncle Susie, Uh, (laughs) Uncle Billy and Aunt Susie. Sorry. And we make it about all of these things. And we, we talk about, about taking off and going to the mall and going on hay rides and going here and doing this and drinking hot chocolate and watching movies. Come on. How many have already upset, depressed, busted and disgusted because you couldn't get to see the Spider-Man movie? You know, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things that we make it about, isn't it? And the truth is, in the middle of his celebration, we can lose sight of Jesus. We can lose sight of Jesus. How did they lose him? Well, let's get more specific. Let's read it again. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the festival of Passover. When he was 12, they went up according to the custom. Can I tell you, when something becomes so routine, uh uh-oh. It becomes so traditional. It becomes so rote. It becomes just something that I do year after year after year after year. And so I've got all these traditions and all of these customs and all of these things that I'm expected to do. But what about relationship and true fellowship with the King of glory? And that's why Pastor Melissa said, it's not good to just come in and say, well, at least I'm here. Uh Uh-oh. 
No, I'm here to worship the King of glory. Because this season, of all the seasons, this season is his season. And my heart will rejoice. Why? Because unto us, a child is born. Unto us, come on now, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is amazing. And it's easy to get so in the custom of just putting one foot in front of the other that by the time we look up, we go, where's Jesus? Mama, have you seen No, I thought, point number two, how did they lose him? In the customary routine, going with the flow, going through the motions, and assuming, assuming that he was with them. Can I share something with you? It's not Jesus' responsibility to stay with you. Let me say that over here, because these guys didn't like it too much. It's not Jesus' responsibility to stay with you. It's your responsibility to stay with him. It's not Jesus' responsibility to stay with you. Some of you are going, Jesus, come on. Come on. I need you. I need you. And this is how this thing works. When I need you, you be there. No, 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 no. Come on. Come on, let your heart melt. And by speaking truth, yes, I am. And it's truth I have to be reminded of. Because when we least expect it, we get so distracted with everyone else. And this is what they assume. They assume, well, Jesus is just naturally with me. Because we remember hearing things like, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. But listen, Thy rod and thy staff. What does that mean? That means he's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. And if he chooses to walk me through the valley, then he will comfort me. Not, Lord, I'm going to walk through the valley. Come along. There's a difference there. Not only that. So watch this. Watch this. They didn't realize it. They were in the custom, just routine. They thought Jesus was naturally with them. And then they assume because they're in the company of good people. I want us to remember this because they weren't out there uh, smoking, boozing, and chewing, right? They were in the company of good people celebrating the Passover. And they thought, well, naturally, Jesus is going to be here with us. And so sometimes you have to think, it's not... It's not the bad that's the enemy of the great. It's the good that's the enemy of the great. What do we mean by that? Jesus is great. And what he has for your life is great. What he has for my life is great. But there's a lot of good things that crowd that out. And sometimes we can be in the midst of good things. But miss the great thing. And that's him. That's Christ. So supposing him to have been in the company... We'll come back to that in a second. They lost him. So 
Where did they lose him? Well, let's see. Where did they lose him? They lost him at the temple. They lost him in God's presence. Because where is Jesus? He's about his father's business. What is his father's business? His father's business is people. Saving people. Loving people. Caring for people. But we'll get more into that next week. But listen to what the Bible says. Notice, in point number one, I said examine yourself. Point number two is what? Where do you lose him? How do you lose him? But here's the point. Examine yourself. Examine myself. Second Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you? And so this is the thing. Sometimes we can take that relationship with him for granted that we forget to walk in fellowship, in real closeness of heart. And it takes a while to realize it. Listen to the word he uses there, realize. That's the, that's the word I want us to, to highlight in this point number two. When did they realize it? A day later. Come on, how many of you know that's not good? Some of us are going, it was only a day Would you be okay with losing your child for a day and then, and or not realizing it for a day, but taking three days to find him? Oh, before you think you're all that, acting self-righteous, it happens to the best of us. It even happened to me. Some of you are going, of course it happened to you because you are so absent-minded. But we were visiting my family in, in Dallas, Texas, in the Metroplex, and uh, my wife wanted to get back home. She needed to get back home. I wanted to stay a little longer. So she came back with her parents and said, Chris, look at me. When she starts saying, look at me, that's what we do with the kids. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, what is this? She goes, don't get distracted. I'm leaving the kids with you. Don't lose them. <laughs> it's like, wow, we got to start there. Don't lose them. And so she leaves and everything's going great. I stay extra. Then I'm, I'm headed back home. It's a Saturday. And so I'm already thinking about today. I mean, Sunday, right? I'm thinking about the message about bringing the word of God to you. It's, it's, it's your fault. <laughs> it's, it's because of you. No. So I'm thinking about God's word. I'm thinking about it. I'm molding it over in my heart. I'm, and, and I'm already on the road back. And, and so we run out of not, we almost run out of gas, but I get to Bucky's. Come on. And how many of you know, Bucky's is a distraction. There's a celebration going on at Bucky's. I mean, people just are like, oh, I don't know what that place has, but people walk in there just ready to give them money. Don't they? And then, oh my gosh, clean restrooms. And so we go in there and I get back in the truck and I drive off. Oh, huh? All three? No, just me. I get back in the truck and I drive off. And it's so funny because to hear my kids say it, they're looking at each other and they're, they're a little behind me. And, and you got to realize when, when a guy's mind is going, it's going. 
I'm thinking about the message. I'm thinking about Sunday. I'm thinking about getting home. I got to finish some things. And so I go take care of my business and I, I'm back in the truck. I'm gone. Next thing you know, my kids are at the window and they're like, Evie goes, honey, you think he's leaving? No, he's going to come pick us up. Come on, let's go outside and wait on him. They see me get on the highway. They're like, maybe he's just joking with us. I get hit the turnaround. They see me get on 35 and Evie says, and then you just disappeared. Meanwhile, my brother calls me, more distraction, good company, right? He's calling me, he's talking to me, man, I had a good visit with you. I think mom really enjoyed it. I'm so glad to see y'all. Man, your kid's grown, just talking. Had some questions for you and he's talking to me, I'm going. Finally, I'm like, man, I can't help but feel I forgot something at your house. (laughs) Did I forget anything at your house? He goes, no, man, no. And I go, okay. I kept going and then. Dude, I can't help but feel I forgot something at your house, Isaac. Did you check? He goes, I checked plus. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is you and your kids. Anything else we can get later. <laughs> and I go, oh, my kids. I'm going to have to call you back. I show up and I said, that's why y'all need to hurry. <laughs> right? Because... We- <laughs> Some of you are saying, is there a point to this message? (laughs) The point is this, don't lose Jesus this Christmas. Because it can happen to the best of us. Happened to me. Oh, I'm nobody. But how about this? Out of all the people in the entire history of the world, the one person I wouldn't expect this to happen to is who? Come on, Catholics, ex-Catholics. Yes! Out of all the people in the entire history of the world, the one I would least expect to lose her baby boy would be Mary. Would be Mary. Come on now. But what is this telling us? It's telling us that it can happen to anyone. Because there's only one perfect person and that's Jesus. So it's not Jesus getting lost, it's us getting lost. It's us failing to keep eyes on him. Because where he goes is where we should go instead of vice versa. So what can we do? What can we do? That's point number three. Very, very simply, return. Notice what they did. They realized it. Oh my goodness. How could this have happened? They returned. But this is what I find interesting. They were gone a day. They returned for a day. Why did it take them three days? Mm, Come on. Some of us are looking for love in all the wrong places. Places, hit it. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I'm telling you, country music can preach to you if you let it. Some of us are, and some of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Last week, 
I use the country song to help with the message. And this week I want to remind you that it's possible to look for love in the wrong place. They're looking for Jesus. God is love. Jesus is love in all the wrong places. They take them an extra day to get to him. And when they do get to him, they don't realize. Read verse uh, verse 48 with me. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Can I tell you that the first reaction when you realize you're lost and you need to get back to Jesus, when you have trouble getting back to Jesus is to get frustrated with him. Uh Uh-oh. The first reaction is to get frustrated with him. How so? Lord, I can't believe this is happening to me. Lord, why are you making this? Why don't you do something? God, this is horrible. I don't feel you anymore. Where have you gone? Where have you gone? Anyone? Am I the only one that's gone through this? Where have you gone? You promised you would never leave me or forsake me. And God's saying, I never left. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. About my father's business. Where have you gone? Return to me, the Bible says in the book of Zechariah. Listen to this. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. I love the way John puts it in 1 John chapter 1. He says, if you are, what? If you repent and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful to forgive and it's over. It's over. So sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I've lost the reason for the season. God, I've gotten so distracted. I've been assuming that I'm, I'm walking with you, but Lord, somewhere along the way, I got lost. I took a wrong turn. I stopped keeping my eyes on you. Come on, can anyone hear what I'm saying today? I've made it about this and that and the other. I've been preoccupied with decorating my house. I've been preoccupied with having my children chase this ball or that ball or be this or that. And really, I need to start directing them towards you, God. Because at the end of the day, I want them to know you. To know you so well that they trust you and walk with you and love you. And they build their family and their marriage. And they raise their children on you, God. On you, God. And Lord, I admit this world, this world has distracted me. And in the midst of celebrating you, Lord, anyone, in the midst of preaching and leading your church, Lord, I have forgotten the reason for the season. You say, so what do you do? How do you return? How do you return? Well, before you get to that, I want you to know, not only did she kind of blame Jesus a little bit, she also admitted what happens to your heart when you lose Jesus. You get anxious. Is anyone here anxious? If you're struggling with anxiety, well, Pastor, I don't know if I... Some of us guys have a hard time saying I'm anxious. You know what? That's called stressed. Are you stressed? Are you worried? Are you just a little short? Because, I mean, it's like, 
and you can't seem to relax. That's called peace. You don't want relaxation. You want peace. That's what that's called. Peace. Joy. It happens when you walk with Christ. I want to admit to you, I've been stressed. And God had to speak to me and says, you're too darn proud to call it for what it is. It's anxiety, Chris. I said, yeah, okay. What do I do? He says, come to me. All of you who are what? Tired, stressed, worried, anxious, overworked, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Jesus is our rest. And so if you're here today and you're thinking, okay, Lord, something's not quite right. I know that you're speaking to me, Holy Spirit. I want you to consider Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. What is the psalmist saying here? Is he saying that God has to know? I mean, God already knows. You know what he's saying? Lord, I know you know them. Now reveal them to me. Search my heart and help me to see it. Give me eyes to see what's happening inside of me. Test me and try me. And bring out those anxieties that I may lay them at the foot of the cross. Do you realize that the holiday season is one of the most stressful seasons for America? More people uh, struggle with anxiety and depression than at any other time. Do you think that's coincidental? That's very spiritual. And so today I want you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to say, search me, O God. Show me my heart. Try me, God, that I may be familiar with my anxieties so that I can... I want to share a couple more things and then we're done. In the book of Revelations, God addresses, Jesus Christ addresses seven churches. Two of those churches I want to highlight very, very quickly. One of us is the church of, at Ephesus. And it's in chapter 2 and he says, he says, I commend you for all of these good things. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have left your first love. So it is possible to kind of wander off and not realize it just the way his parents did. He says, come back. Listen to what he says. Repent. That's what it means to return. Return to me. Love me first. Put me first. Right? Because if you don't, the light of our love is going to go out. Listen to what he says to the church of Laodicea. That's church number seven in chapter three. He says, as many as I love, I will rebuke and chasten. That means if I love you, I will let you feel the pressure of being without me so that you can what? So that you can zealously, that means passionately return to me. Here we go. We're about to finish. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him, dine with him, and him with me. Now let me highlight a couple of things real quick. Where is Jesus? He's at the door knocking. Do you knock on the inside of the door or do you knock on the outside of the door? 
And so many pastors, including me, say he's knocking on the door of your heart. But specifically here, very, very specifically, he's not talking about an individual. He's talking about a church. So he's outside the church while the church is celebrating. They're celebrating what? What are they celebrating? Well, what do churches celebrate? They're celebrating Jesus. But Jesus is where? He's outside looking in. Can I tell you, may that never be foundation. May it never be foundation. May it never be this church. May we be about Jesus Christ. May we be subject and open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, draw us back. Bring us to repentance. Bring us to return. You say, but how shall I return? How shall I return? Watch. Individually, we make up the church. So if individually we're far from Christ and we've wandered off and we don't realize it, then we have him on the outside knocking and we're on the inside celebrating Jesus on his day, the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. And he's out there. Do you see why Pastor Melissa says, it's about worship. It's about him. Not, oh, it's about me receiving the word. Hey guys, can I come in? Who is it? Jesus? I know. Say, Pastor, how do I come back? Well, search your heart. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right here in this moment. Realize, how long has it been? For some, it's been a couple of days. For others, it's been a couple of weeks. For others, even a couple of years. It's become routine. It's become customary. I'm in the company. I'm not doing anything horrible. I'm in the company of good things, good people. But it's Jesus outside looking in. Say, Pastor, you still haven't shown me. How do I get back? Okay, here we go. His word. On our knees every morning, you say, do I have to be on my knees? No, it's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of humility saying, so you don't have to be on your knees. This is a physical posture representing a spiritual posture. Does that make sense? And so we get on our knees and we read his word and you say, Lord, melt my heart with your word. His word will transform, renew your heart. We'll renew it. It'll get the world's junk out and off. Then we pray and we develop a morning, nightly ritual routine of spending time with him. It's like Elvis sang about the garden. I walk with him in the garden while the dew is still on the roses. I sip my morning coffee and I have a conversation with the king of glory as I say, thank you for salvation. Thank you for my life. Lord, help me to lead my children. Help me to be a good husband to my wife. And most of all, Lord, let me bring you glory today. Is there anything you want to talk to me about, Lord? Do you realize he'll start talking? God, this has been heavy on my heart. 
I'm worried about my son. I'm worried about my job. I'm concerned about this. And God will say, no need to worry. I've got you. Give it to me. Let me work. Let me work. And then he'll say, my timing is perfect. Rest. And wait for my timing. As we take communion today, what is the Holy Spirit sharing with you? I know for me, communion, Christmas, the Lord's Day, it all reminds me that it's all about Him. And that if I'm not careful, I may wander off and not realize it until sometime later. If you're here today, I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you sense the Holy Spirit saying, return. You've lost sight. Return to your first love and you need prayer. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Well, I see hands all over this auditorium. I see hands all over. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you see every hand and you know every heart. And I pray that you would minister to them by your grace. Have mercy on us, Lord, and bring us back. Lead us and guide us like only you can. Lord, we realize that we might have relationship, but we've lost some fellowship. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bring us back into fellowship. We call upon your name and your word says, so we claim your word, that when we return, you return. And that you are faithful and merciful and good and abounding in love and quick to forgive. God, Bring us back in this season, in this perfect time, in Jesus' name, amen. Until he returns, we remember and say thank you. You are worthy, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Church, have a great, great week. I love y'all.